Join us in the pursuit of God through the book of Acts. You know, I want to talk a little bit about the reality of the Spirit working in us and how oftentimes there's a major difference between our want to and our have to. Growing up, I was blessed to have parents who disciplined me. And I learned that there were rewards for good choices and there were there was discipline for bad choices. And what we do when we train our children these things is we allow them the opportunity at a young age to understand choices and consequences, what's right and what's wrong. Do you know that the reality of what's happening in the world today wants to throw all of that out the window? See, the world wants to make it about what you feel. If you read through the Bible and you come to a knowledge of what's happening through the text of Scripture, take some time, set some time aside, and read through Judges. Because in the book of Judges, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Okay, Now, in the book of Judges, there are some very, very gruesome details regarding what people did that was right in their own eyes. People say that, you know, the passion of the Christ shouldn't have been rated R or whatever. I don't even know what you rate some of the things that you may read in Scripture because it shows and reveals the gruesome mind of flesh and mankind apart from the morals and the beliefs or the good that God wants to impart to mankind. So make a note, read through at some point the book of Judges. It would be good for you to have some of that understanding. Today we're going to be in John chapter 8 because I want to talk about, as I mentioned earlier, want to and have to and the difference between the two. The title of this message is is to be set free by the Spirit in 2023. You see there? Set free in 2023. I know, it may be nerdy, it may be corny, it may be all those things, but I want you to know that you are set free by the Spirit of God to serve Him in a way that goes beyond anything that you can think of or comprehend. And then you're serving because you want to, not because you have to. Right here, I printed this off this morning, and I'm going to pass it around because it's something that I want you to have a little bit of an understanding regarding, which are the 632 laws that we find in the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the law written by Moses, 613 of these that you and I would have to follow And I mean, at the end of the day, you would be afraid to get out of bed because you would think you're going to break one, okay? But the reality is what Jesus set us free from is the have to, allowing us then to live in the area of I want to. I don't have to do this, but I want to do this because I'm being led and I'm living by the Spirit of God and I want to do what's right in His sight because I'm in a relationship with Him. It's not a religion, it is a relationship. So I'm actually going to start this round. You can take a look at some of these 613 different rules and laws 
that we find in just the first five books of the Bible. This does not take into consideration or account the Mishnah, which was the oral law or oral rules passed down by various rabbis under which some would take their yoke or they would become a disciple of that rabbi. They would then learn the rules the rabbi added to the 613. But I will tell you this, as you're reading through there, you'll see morals. You'll see that God wants people to do right by other people. You'll see that God is revealing His character to mankind through the rules and laws that He set out. Now we know, we've read Scripture, and if you don't know this, we can sit down and talk about this, and we can go through all kinds of various texts of Scripture, but the reality is this. We're not to live under the Mosaic law anymore. Jesus came not to abolish, but to fulfill. In Him, we are now living in the age of grace. We have an opportunity to come to Jesus, to be forgiven and cleansed of all the laws and rules that we broke. And then we're free, we're set free to live by the Spirit. And this is what we see in the account of John chapter 8. Jesus had just got done explaining to them about being the light of the world I actually, we're going to start in verse 31 and read through 38, and then we're going to drop back to verse 12 of John 8. But I want you to see what the therefore, if you will, is therefore, or what is fulfilling that which Jesus is speaking, okay? John chapter 8, 31 says, So Jesus said to the Jews, John 8, 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay? We know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? But what he's expressing to them here is there is truth in who Jesus is beyond the Mosaic Law. Then verse 33 says, They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them in verse 34 of John 8, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Period. Guess what? These 632 laws, you're not going to have time to read them all today. I mean, we can put them back there on the table and people can look through and they can do all these fun things. But if you believe that you need Jesus and you need one of those, you don't know who Jesus is. Because Jesus is above all of those. And when you have Him, you're serving out of I want to relationship rather than I have to. Growing up, I won't lie. My parents are even here, and I'm not going to lie. There were things that I had to do, and doing, right? Be honest. Some of you had some of those things that you had to do. But when you have the Spirit of God in you, you want to do for Him. Because He is the one who sets you free from all sin. It's not Jesus plus this. 
Holy Day or Jesus plus the Feast of Tabernacles or Jesus plus the Sabbath or Jesus plus... It's Jesus and in Him only are we sufficient. Write down the book of Colossians because Paul deals with the book of Colossians. We'll be in Galatians here in a little while. But I want you to understand, in Christ is the sufficiency to live by the Spirit. Last week, we tied a lot of various things together from Isaiah over to John, over to Hebrews and different things and showing that basically this babe in a manger became the priest that is above all priests. And in him, we find what we need as our great intercessor, as the one who sets us apart for his purposes. And he is Emmanuel, which is God with us. It's amazing and it's very profound and it's not something easily palatable to this very finite brain that we have. That's why we receive him by faith. Not by an understanding. This is not about knowledge or Gnosticism. This is about believing by faith that he did what he said he did. And he's going to do what he's saying he's going to do. And when loved ones that we have pass on to that place, we can celebrate it because we have hope. Knowing that we too can go there. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. Let's continue here. Verse 35, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin, period. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Now, let me give you this. The slave is having to. The son wants to. The slave has to do what they're told to do because they are under that burden of their owner or their master, okay? They're, they're in slavery to have to do, okay? A son wants to do. I need to have this conversation with my son. Thank you for pointing him out. And I'll even have it with your son, Bo and Hannah. But here's the thing. It's interesting how growing up, those have-tos became, I want to. As I understood the sincerity and the purpose of why my parents did what they did, why I had to bring the wood in, because my dad worked until late hours often and wouldn't be home till after dark, why I had to do these various chores or whatever, and now... As an adult, I look back and I'm like, I'm thankful for those have-tos. And I need to somehow impart those have-tos to my children so that at some point they'll be thankful for those have-tos. Because in time, as we mature, we then recognize that we want to help the household by doing those things. We want to do our part. We don't want to be dead weight. We want to do something. God's kingdom is the same. For a while, we understand the commandments of God as I have to do these things. But as we mature in our faith and as we're tested through time, these have-tos should shift gears into, I want to do that because when I do that, it gives glory to God 
And I don't want to have to write a tithe check. I want to give more than a tenth because I want to because I can. And God says I should, so I will. Or I want to donate some time to the church. I want to go up there and I want to shovel off the walkway after the snow sloughed in the middle of the night or whenever it sloughed in the middle of the night because I get to, because when doing it, I'm glorifying God and His Spirit is quickening my heart to go do so. Are you tracking with me? The have to at some point in your life needs to be changed into I want to because if it's not, do you have the Spirit of God in you? Ooh. That's the question that you have to ask yourself. Let's continue here. Verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. So let's back up to verse 12 in chapter 8 of of John. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Verse 14, Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and I know where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. You see what Jesus is doing here? He's basically telling them that their lineage, if you will, of Abraham is trumped by his lineage, his divinity, and God. Let's continue here. This very self, I don't want to spend too much time here because it lays it out very clearly. Verse 16 says, I want to read it again because it ties into 17. John 8, 16, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. (laughs) They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the temple treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me, verse 21, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. He's very truthful. He says, you're going to die in your sin and here's why. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself since he says, where I am, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sin, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. It doesn't matter if you found a way to follow all 613 rules, plus the oral rules set down through the Mishnah, various rabbis having different rules, that does not matter because if you do not believe in me, 
you have committed a sin, therefore you are separated from your Creator God. Because I am the bridge, Jesus says. So they said to him, verse 25, Who are you? (laughs) We laugh, right, a little? I mean, do you not laugh just a little? But get this. We get to read. We see the documents. They're living the life. The advantage we have is insurmountably higher than the advantage they had in their day. Who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. 26, I have so much to say to you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that they had been speaking to them about the fathers. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. You see that? He wants to. Jesus wants to do the things that are pleasing to his Father in heaven. He doesn't have to. He wants to. He always does. So over and over throughout Scripture, we see Jesus is the very example that we are then to follow. So what does that say for us? If the Spirit of God is in us, we should want to do these things. Now we're going to be over in Romans 8 just a moment, but I want to finish this. Verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Why is this important? Because I want you to see that there were the eyes of some, even in the crowd, that weren't necessarily the Pharisees, Sadducees, or Essenes, or in the the religious sects of people. There were other people on the outside that were seeing, and it's like, yes, he's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the one that Ezekiel and Isaiah and all these have been talking about. And so I'm going to believe in him. His purpose, God's purpose is fulfilled in those who want to glorify Him. Do you want to? Romans 8, and then we're going to be in Galatians. We don't have time to go to Ezekiel this morning, but there's a lot in Ezekiel that has to do with what the Lord is going to do in creating the heart in us that can receive the Spirit and preparing us and all these things. There's so much prophecy. I mean, we could be hours. We're not going to do that today. I guess we could. I mean, it is a new year. We could turn over a new leaf. I want you to be in Romans 8, verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1. Because I want you to see the want to that Jesus has. He passes on to those who receive the Spirit of God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, 
but according to the Spirit. Are you tracking with me here? Do you see what's happening? The have-tos walk by the flesh, and, and oh, they, they have to go to church, or they feel bad about themselves. Oh, they, they have to, to say something nice, or they have to hand out 40 gospel tracts, or they have to, to, to do feed the flathead, or they have to do, guess what? That's not honoring to God. If you have to do it, you're trying to earn something that cannot be earned. Salvation is free. You can't earn it. You should want to do these things because the Spirit of God is working in you to create in you the understanding you need to see that I want to help my household. I want to help the kingdom of God because I believe that eternity is forever. Does anybody else believe that? And so when we believe that, we long not to do what we have to do. We long to do what we want to do. And what we want to do lines up with what God wants us to do because the big S, Spirit of God, is working in us, and it's coming through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ into our lives that's been purified and purged of the life of sin, and we're allowing Jesus to be seated on the throne of our heart, and He's interceding on our behalf, and we're wanting to live by the Spirit. We're set free from bondage because we're living by the Spirit. Now, how does that happen? One minute, one second, one hour, one day, one month, one at a time. That's how it happens. Paul laid out very clearly to the church in Ephesus. He says, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and the heavenly realms. Do you know that you can be sitting right here in the church and sin? You can be sitting right here and be having bad thoughts about another person. Guess what? In the 613, thou shalt not hold a grudge. Not only that, but Jesus reminds us that we're to love one another. We're to love one another. Right here in the church, you can commit sin without even saying a word. Raise your hand. No. (laughs) Don't raise your hand. But the reality is it can happen. Look, the awesome thing about it is grace covers the sin of the past, the sin of the present, and the sin of the future. Now, you need to write this down, Romans 6, 7, and 8, because we we find in there Paul beseeches the church at Rome. He said, should we continue to sin that grace may increase? May it never be. Why should we who have died to sin still live in it? Or should we crucify the Lord of glory over and over and over? No, we need to be holy as he is holy, as we read in, in Peter's account. The reality, though, is this. I don't want to get off track. We've got to stay on track. Do you want to serve the Lord with your life? Or do you feel like you have to serve the Lord because your grandparents or your parents or your spouse or your friend or somebody has put this burden upon you that you have to do this? See, the want to is set free. The have to is in bondage. 
Let's continue here. I'm going to read verse 3 into verse 4 again because it's so key. Romans 8, 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. If you're putting offering in the offering plate and you're thinking, man, I could buy that brand new gadget with this. This would be a payment on a boat that I really want. This would be fulfilling for me because I could buy that motorcycle. Yikes. Does that put you in the want to or the have-to category. Let you judge. Let you judge your own self because you are to evaluate that. But I want you to see clearly. I mean, we've, we, I didn't even know we were passing the offering plate today, so it's just how God orchestrates these things. Normally we have the offering box at the back and people put in, and God provides that way. But if you're thinking about helping go feed the flathead, but instead you'd rather go fill in the blank, whatever those things are. See, now, don't function out of have to. Function out of want to. But understand that the Spirit of God is the one that you need to want to for, not the spirit of your selfish ambition, not the spirit of your own heart's desires, not the spirit of the flesh, but the Spirit of God. And that's where we see the 613 rules that come into place. They're commandments. And we see in the New Testament, Jesus, he says, not only are you a murderer, or if you covet your neighbor's wife, you're a sinner. He says, I say, if you lust after your neighbor's wife, you're a sinner. I say, if you hate your brother, you're that of a murderer. And so (laughs) let me very clearly tell you that Wanting to for God is a wonderful thing, but it comes with the reality that we need to want to for God, God's way, not my way. It's not my way anymore. It's put myself on the shelf and allow God to do in me what he wants to do. And guess what? Sometimes, guess what? Most of the time, that hurts. Most of the time, my want to has to be set aside for the want to of God to be fulfilled in me. Because remember, back to the household. We are in God's kingdom for His purposes, not our own. We need to be functioning as men and women that, yes, we're set free from the bondage of sin and shame to serve by the Spirit of God, but in that service, there comes a responsibility. There's an accountability to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. As Matthew 6.33, Jesus clearly tells them, 
Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. A want to for Him. Verse 8 in Romans 8 says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, verse 9, are not in the flesh if the Spirit of God, sorry, but in the Spirit of God, if in fact the Spirit, big S, of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Amen? Write this down, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Don't turn there, just write it down. I'd ask you to turn to Galatians 5. Write down 2 Corinthians 3.17, and here's what it says. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We have encouragement to know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, but we also have to be able to say, am I doing this because I want to or I have to? How is this working? Where am I in this? Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. We may end here. I don't want to make any promises. Paul had to deal with a lot in the book of Galatians, and you can go back into that. There had been a wishy-washiness taking hold of some of the apostles where they thought they needed Jesus plus all these other things, and Paul deals with this in Galatians. Paul being a Hebrew of Hebrews, one who knew the Jewish customs, one who knew very much about the 613 laws and all these things. Here's what he says in Galatians 5.1. For freedom Christ has set us free... Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ is of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Now, the 613 laws are very clearly tied to circumcision because this is the way that the Hebrew children were to be recognized by God if they were circumcised on the seventh or eighth day. So the reality is he's speaking to all those who are still trying to observe the law, 613 of the Pentateuch or Torah and the Mishnah laws also added to that. What Paul is saying is you either go in that direction of religion and live in a have-to world or you come in the direction of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God can dwell in you and then you want to and you're being transformed more into the image of Jesus Christ because you want to and you're working in God's kingdom because you want to because you know that eternity is real and forever. That's what Paul's saying. This isn't about a procedure done in the flesh. This is about the law and grace. Trust me, we need grace. In the law, we're all toast. Verse 4 says, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. 
You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Only faith working through love. Faith working through love. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and play a song for us. As they do, I want you to turn to 1 John. Yeah, you thought we were done. No, 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 no. 1 John, because I want you to see some practical application to the want to, being set free by the Spirit in 2023. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. 1 John 4. Seven. Now, in 1 John, you can read about this over and over and over. I love these brief epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. They're so powerful. There's a lot in a small amount. It's like dynamo. It's dynamite in a small package of truth. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Now, this is the want to. This is, for those of us that want to, these are... The fruits of the want to. And you can go to Galatians 5, 20 and 21 and 22. Love, joy, peace, patience. Okay, those are great. But this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. Because under all of those or above all of those is this. Beloved, verse 7. Let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, verse 9 of 1 John 4, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Our want to comes from His want to. Our glorifying of God comes from Jesus glorifying God. You see that? I am the vine, you are the branches. You can write down John chapter 15. We could go there too if we need to. But I'm just telling you that it flows through Him. In this is love, verse 10. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to to be the propitiation for our sin. Verse 11 then says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Why does He say no one has ever seen God? Because God is revealed through men and women who allow the Spirit of God to be over them and allow His love to flow through them. We're to be the hands and feet. We're to be the ambassadors for Christ. Over and over. There's so much in this. I want you to stand with me today. And as we sing, I want you to self-evaluate. Is your want to the want to that Christ had to want to honor and glorify His Father God? Or is your want to driven by selfishness? Maybe you're in a have-to mode. And if you have to, yikes. Because that means you're living a life of legalistic religion. And Jesus wants a relationship. The relationship that Jesus modeled with His Father God is the same relationship we're to have with Jesus 
who then intercedes for us to his Father God. The Spirit of God is at work in those who believe in Jesus Christ. That Spirit of God gives us a want to, not a have to. And it's not a want to because I'm Jesus' little sunbeam and I want people to see me. No, it's a want to because the house of God, the kingdom of God, needs workers and those who are going to be a part of the harvest. The workers are few, Scripture reminds us. Let's be a part of that. Amen? Let's sing. Thanks for joining us today. Tune in next week online or in person. Contact us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website.